chapter two of the life of washington volume two by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two colonel washington appointed commander-in-chief of the american forces arrives at cambridge strength and disposition of the two armies deficiency of the americans in arms and ammunition distress of the british from the want of fresh provisions falmouth burnt success of the american cruisers measures to form a continental army difficulty of re-enlisting the troops plan for attacking boston general lee detached to new york possession taken of the heights of dorchester boston evacuated correspondence respecting prisoners seventeen seventy five the attention of colonel washington for several years after his marriage was principally directed to the management of his estate he continued a most respectable member of the legislature of his country in which he took an early and a decided part against the claims of supremacy asserted by the british parliament as hostilities approached he was chosen by the independent companies formed through the northern parts of virginia to command them and was elected a member of the first congress which met at philadelphia the illustrious patriots who composed it soon distinguished him as the soldier of america and placed him on all those committees whose duty it was to make arrangements for defence when it became necessary to appoint a commander-in-chief his military character the solidity of his judgment the steady firmness of his temper the dignity of his person and deportment the confidence inspired by his patriotism and integrity and the independence of his fortune combined to designate him in the opinion of all for that important station local jealousy was suppressed not only by the enthusiasm of the moment but by that policy which induced the sagacious delegation from new england to prefer a commander-in-chief from the south colonel washington appointed commander-in-chief of the american forces on the fourteenth of june he was unanimously chosen general and commander-in-chief of the armies of the united colonies and all the forces now raised or to be raised by them june fifteenth on the succeeding day when the president communicated this appointment to him he expressed his high sense of the honor conferred upon him and his firm determination to exert every power he possessed in the service of his country and of her glorious cause at the same time he acknowledged the distress he felt from a consciousness that his abilities and military experience might not be equal to the extensive and important trust he declined all compensation for his services and avowed an intention to keep an exact account of his expenses which he should rely on congress to discharge a special commission was directed and a resolution unanimously passed declaring that congress would maintain assist and adhere to him as the general and commander-in-chief of the forces raised or to be raised for the maintenance and preservation of american liberty with their lives and fortunes he prepared without delay to enter upon the arduous duties of his office and remaining only a few days in new york where several important arrangements were to be made proceeded to the headquarters of the american army arrives at cambridge as all orders of men concurred in approving his appointment all concurred in expressing their satisfaction at that event and their determination to afford him entire support a committee of the congress of massachusetts waited to receive him at springfield on the confines of the colony and to escort him to the army on his arrival an address was presented to him by the house of representatives breathing the most cordial affection and testifying the most exalted respect 
his answer was well calculated to keep up impressions essential to the success of that arduous contest into which the united colonies had entered july three strengthened disposition of the two armies the first moments after his arrival in camp were employed in reconnoitring the enemy and examining the strength and situation of the american troops the main body of the british army under the immediate command of general howe was entrenching itself strongly on bunker's hill three floating batteries lay in mystic river near the camp and a twenty-gun ship below the ferry between boston and charlestown a strong battery on the boston side of the water on copse or copes hill served to cover and strengthen the post on bunker's hill another division was deeply entrenched on roxbury neck the light horse and an inconsiderable body of infantry were stationed in boston the american army lay on both sides of charles river the right occupied the high grounds about roxbury whence it extended towards dorchester and the left was covered by mystic or medford river a space of at least twelve miles these extensive lines could not be contracted without opening to the british general a communication with the country for the purpose of a more distinct arrangement the army was thrown into three grand divisions that part of it which lay about roxbury constituted the right wing and was commanded by major-general ward the troops near mystic or medford river formed the left which was placed under major-general lee the centre including the reserve was under the immediate command of general washington whose headquarters were at cambridge the army consisted of fourteen thousand five hundred men but several circumstances combined to render this force less effective than its numbers would indicate deficiency of the americans in arms and ammunition so long had the hope of avoiding open hostilities been indulged that the time for making preparations to meet them had passed away unemployed and the neglect could not be remedied on general washington's arrival in camp he had ordered a return of the ammunition to be made and the report stated three hundred and three barrels of powder to be in store a few days after this return the alarming discovery was made that the actual quantity was not more than sufficient to furnish each man with nine cartridges this mistake had been produced by a misapprehension of the committee of supplies for the magazines were not yet in possession of military officers who instead of returning the existing quantity reported the whole which had been originally furnished by the province though the utmost exertions were made this critical state of things continued about a fortnight when a small supply of powder was received from elizabethtown in new jersey the utmost address was used to conceal from the enemy this alarming deficiency but when it is recollected in how many various directions and to what various bodies application for assistance was unavoidably made it will appear scarcely possible that those efforts at concealment could have been completely successful it is more probable that the communications which must have been made to the british general were discredited and that he could not permit himself to believe that an army without bayonets would be hardy enough to maintain the position occupied by the provincials if destitute of ammunition the troops were also in such need of tents as to be placed in barracks instead of being encamped in the open field and were almost destitute of clothing they had too been raised by the colonial governments each of which organized its quota on different principles from this cause resulted not only a want of uniformity but other defects which were much more important in massachusetts the soldiers had chosen their platoon officers and generally lived with them as equals this unmilitary practice was the certain index of that general insubordination which pervaded every department the difficulty of establishing principles of order and obedience always considerable among raw troops was increased by the short terms for which enlistments had been made 
the quotas of some of the colonies would be entitled to a discharge in november and none were engaged to continue in service longer than the last of december the early orders evidence a state of things still more loose and unmilitary than was to be inferred from the circumstances under which the war had been commenced an additional inconvenience derived from this mixed agency of local governments with that of the union was thus stated by general washington in a letter addressed to congress i should be extremely deficient in gratitude as well as justice if i did not take the first opportunity to acknowledge the readiness and attention which the congress and different committees have shown to make everything as convenient and agreeable as possible but there is a vital and inherent principle of delay incompatible with military service in transacting business through such various and different channels i esteem it my duty therefore to represent the inconvenience that must unavoidably ensue from a dependence on a number of persons for supplies and submit it to the consideration of congress whether the public service will not be best promoted by appointing a commissary general for the purpose every military operation was also seriously affected by the total want of engineers and the deficiency of working tools to increase difficulties already so considerable the appointment of general officers made by congress gave extensive dissatisfaction and determined several of those who thought themselves injured to retire from the service these disadvantages deducted essentially from the capacity of the american force but under them all the general observed with pleasure the materials for a good army these were a great number of men able-bodied active zealous in the cause and of unquestionable courage possessed of these materials he employed himself indefatigably in their organization the army was arranged into divisions and brigades and congress was urged to the appointment of a paymaster quartermaster-general and such other general staff as are indispensable in the structure of a regular military establishment the two armies continued to work on their respective fortifications without seriously molesting each other slight skirmishes occasionally took place in which little execution was done and although the americans made some advances no attempt was made to dislodge them september the commander-in-chief submitted with reluctance to this state of apparent inactivity he felt the importance of destroying the army in boston before it should be strengthened by reinforcements in the ensuing spring and with a view to this object frequently reconnoitred its situation and was assiduous in collecting every information respecting its strength the result of his observations and inquiries seems to have been a strong inclination to the opinion that to carry the works by storm though hazardous was not impracticable a council of general officers being unanimously of opinion that for the present at least the attempt ought not to be made it was laid aside distress of the british from the want of fresh provisions a rigorous blockade being maintained the british army began to suffer considerably for fresh meat and vegetables the small parties which sailed from boston in quest of these articles were frequently disappointed by the vigilance of the minutemen but the continuance of active exertion which this service required on the part of the inhabitants of the sea-coast soon became burdensome and the governors of the several colonies pressed for detachments from the main army although it was impossible to spare the troops required without hazarding the cause of the colonies great irritation was excited by the refusal to comply with these demands of particular protection they at length became so importunate and the unavoidable refusal to comply with them was so ill received that congress was induced to pass a resolution declaring that the army before boston was designed only to oppose the enemy at that place and ought not to be weakened by detachments for the security of other parts of the country 
at newport in rhode island the committee sought to secure the place by entering into a compromise with captain wallace who commanded the ships of war on that station stipulating that he should be furnished with provisions on condition of his sparing the town and committing no depredations on the country this compromise contravened so essentially the general plan of distressing the british forces that general washington deemed it necessary to interpose and represent to the governor of that province the mischief to be apprehended from so dangerous a practice while the blockade of boston was thus perseveringly maintained other events of considerable importance took place elsewhere in july georgia joined her sister colonies and chose delegates to represent her in congress after which the style of the thirteen united colonies was assumed and by that title the english provinces confederated and in arms were thenceforward designated september five after a recess of one month congress again assembled at philadelphia the state of the colonies and the letters of the commander-in-chief being immediately taken into consideration the scarcity of arms and ammunition engaged their most serious attention great exertions had been made by importation and by domestic manufacture to extricate the country from this perilous situation but the supplies were unequal to the necessities of the army and the danger resulting from the want of articles so vitally essential in war still continued to be great the importance of a maritime force to the military operations of a country possessing an immense extent of sea-coast must always be sensibly felt and in an early stage of the contest the particular attention of the united colonies was directed more immediately to this interesting object by an event not very unusual in war but which at this time excited no ordinary degree of resentment orders had been issued to the commanders of the british ships of war to proceed as in the case of actual rebellion against those seaport towns which were accessible and in which any troops should be raised or military works erected october falmouth burnt falmouth a flourishing village on the sea-coast of massachusetts having given some particular offence a small naval force commanded by captain mowat was under colour of these orders detached for its destruction after making an ineffectual effort to induce the inhabitants to deliver up their arms and ammunition and four of the principal citizens as hostages he commenced a furious cannonade and bombardment by which the town was reduced to ashes an attempt was then made to penetrate into the country but the militia and minute-men rather irritated than intimidated by this wanton act of unavailing devastation drove the party which had landed back to their ships this measure was loudly reprobated throughout america and contributed not a little to turn the attention of the united colonies to their marine it was one immediate motive with the convention of massachusetts for granting letters of mark and reprisal and was assigned by congress in addition to the capture of american merchantmen on the high seas as an inducement for fitting out some ships of war to man which they directed two battalions of marines to be recruited success of the american cruisers though congress deferred granting general letters of reprisal they adopted a measure of equal efficacy but less hostile in appearance their ships of war were authorized to capture all vessels employed in giving assistance to the enemy the terms used in their resolution were such as comprehended every possible capture a few small cruisers had already been fitted out by the directions of general washington and the coasts soon swarmed with the privateers of new england these naval exertions were attended with valuable consequences many captures were made and important supplies of ammunition were thus obtained although the british army had manifested no intention to evacuate boston fears were continually entertained 
for new york mr tryon who was popular in that province had been lately recalled from north carolina and appointed its governor his utmost influence was employed in detaching that colony from the union and his exertions were seconded by the asia man of war whose guns commanded the town the consequence of these intrigues and of this terror was that even in the convention disaffection to the american cause began openly to show itself and a determination to join the king's standard is said to have been expressed with impunity these threatening appearances were rendered the more serious by some confidential communications from england stating the intention of administration to send a fleet into the hudson and to occupy both new york and albany under the alarm thus excited an effort was made in congress to obtain a resolution for seizing the governor he had however been artful enough to make impressions in his favor and he was defended by a part of the delegation from new york with so much earnestness that for a time the advocates of the proposition forbore to press it afterwards when the increasing defection in that province induced congress to resume the subject the resolution was expressed in general terms and assumed the form of a recommendation to those who exercised the legislative and executive functions in the several provinces to arrest and secure every person in the respective colonies whose going at large might in their opinion endanger the safety of the colony or the liberties of america intelligence of this resolution is supposed to have been received by the governor who after some correspondence with the mayor of the city respecting his personal safety retired for security on board the halifax packet and continued to carry on his intrigues with nearly as much advantage as while on shore but the subject which next to the supply of arms and ammunition most interested the american government was the re-enlistment of the army the historic washington elm at cambridge massachusetts under this tree as the granite tablet states washington first took command of the american army july third seventeen seventy five this picture is from a photograph taken about the year nineteen hundred in spite of the most determined efforts to preserve this historic relic the tree fell in november nineteen twenty three measures to form a continental army on the twenty ninth of september at the earnest solicitation of general washington a committee had been appointed by congress with directions to repair to the camp at cambridge there to consult with the commander-in-chief and with the chief magistrates of new hampshire connecticut and rhode island and the council of massachusetts on the most effectual method of continuing supporting and regulating a continental army on the return of this committee congress determined that the new army should consist of twenty thousand three hundred and seventy-two men including officers to be raised as far as practicable from the troops already in service unfortunately in constituting this first military establishment of the union an essential error was committed the consequences of which ceased only with the war the soldiers instead of being engaged for an unlimited time were enlisted for the term of only one year if not sooner discharged by congress it is not easy to account entirely for this fatal error with their jealousy of a permanent army were probably intermingled hopes that the war would not be of long duration and fears that much difficulty would be encountered in prevailing on men to enter into engagements of unlimited extent perhaps the habits of the northern colonies where it had been usual to raise men for a single campaign may have contributed to this measure whatever may have been its motives its consequences were of the most serious nature and it brought the american cause more than once into real hazard other resolutions accompanied that for raising and establishing the new army which exhibit the perilous condition of the country and its want of those means which were indispensable to the support of the arduous conflict in which it was engaged one resolution ordered the detention 
at a valuation of the arms of those soldiers who should refuse to re-enlist although they were private property and but ill adapted to military purposes another offered two dollars to every recruit who would supply himself with a blanket a third ordered the purchase of any clothes which could be procured without regard to color to be delivered to the soldiers after deducting the price from their pay and a fourth required the soldiers to furnish their own arms or to pay for the use of those which might be supplied by the government october twenty two before the arrangements made by the committee were confirmed by congress general washington proceeded to take the preparatory steps for carrying them into execution it being understood that the engagements of the officers as well as of the soldiers would expire with the year the whole army was to be formed anew the officers therefore were required to signify in writing to their respective colonels their determination to leave or to continue in the service that it might be communicated to congress through the officer commanding brigades difficulty of re-enlisting the army the urgency of the case could not produce a compliance with these orders many disregarded them and others annexed conditions to their remaining in the service repetitions of them became necessary and an unconditional declaration was required but that high spirit and enthusiastic ardor which had brought such numbers into the field after the battle of lexington was already beginning to dissipate and that alacrity for the service which had been expected was not displayed the orders of the day contained the most animating exhortations to the army and the strongest appeals to its patriotism but there was an ominous hesitation in forming new engagements november twelfth at length with much labor the officers were arranged upon which recruiting orders were issued but the sufferings of the army for fuel clothes and even provisions have been great and to this cause may be attributed the tardiness with which the soldiers in camp enrolled themselves one officer from each company was employed to recruit in the country but their progress was not such as the crisis demanded and the army was dissolving by the expiration of the time for which it had been enlisted the impatience of the soldiers to revisit their friends overcame all their solicitude for maintaining the blockade of boston and it was with great difficulty that those entitled to a discharge were detained in camp even for ten days at the end of which time a body of militia was expected to supply their places this fact however did not convince the governments of the united colonies that it was possible to rely too much on individual patriotism and that the american cause if defended entirely by temporary armies must be often exposed to imminent hazard november thirty perceiving the difficulty of recruiting the army the general earnestly recommended to congress to try the effect of a bounty this proposition was not adopted until late in january and on the last day of december when all the old troops not engaged on the new establishment were disbanded only nine thousand six hundred and fifty men had been enlisted for the army of seventeen seventy six many of whom were unavoidably permitted to be absent on furlough their numbers however were considerably augmented during the winter and in the meantime the militia cheerfully complied with the requisitions made on them december notwithstanding these complicated difficulties and embarrassments the general viewed with deep mortification the semblance of inactivity to which his situation compelled him to submit in the commencement of the contest while the minds of many were undetermined it was of vast importance to secure the public confidence and it was necessary to pay some attention even to the public caprice the real difficulties under which he laboured were not generally known his numbers were exaggerated and his means of carrying on offensive operations were magnified the expulsion of the british army from boston had been long since anticipated by many 
and those were not wanting who endeavoured to spread discontent by insinuating that the commander-in-chief was desirous of prolonging the war in order to continue his own importance to these symptoms of impatience and to the consequences they might produce he could not be insensible but it was not in his power to silence such complaints by disclosing to the world his real situation his views still continued to be directed towards boston and congress having manifested a disposition favourable to an attack on that place the general officers had been again assembled and had again advised unanimously against the measure supposing that fears for the safety of the town might embarrass the proceedings of the army congress resolved that if general washington and his council of war should be of opinion that a successful attack might be made on the troops of boston he should make it in any manner he might think expedient notwithstanding the town and property in it might be thereby destroyed plans for attacking boston whilst waiting for a favourable opportunity to execute this bold plan the american general availed himself of the occasional aids received from the militia to make advances on the besieged and to seize positions which would favour ulterior operations ploughed hill cobble hill and lechmere's point were successively occupied and fortified his approaches were carried within half a mile of the works on bunker's hill and his guns drove their floating batteries from their stations and protected others constructed under his orders hitherto the object of the war had been a redress of grievances the language that it was a war against a corrupt administration had been carefully observed and allegiance to the british crown was universally avowed the progress however of the public mind towards independence though slow was certain and measures were necessarily taken which apparently tended to that object among these was the act of establishing temporary governments in place of that revolutionary system which followed the suspension of the ancient institutions the first application on this subject was made by massachusetts and her example was soon followed by other colonies these applications could not fail to draw forth the sentiments of members on the very interesting question of separation from the mother country they who wished to lead public opinion to independence were desirous of establishing a regular government in each province entirely competent to the administration of its affairs while they who were hostile to that event opposed every measure which might either incline the colonies towards it or strengthen the opinion in great britain that it was the real object of all who had resisted the legislative supremacy of parliament a resolution was with difficulty obtained in the case of new hampshire which formed a precedent for others of the same nature recommending to the provincial convention to call a full and free representation of the people who should establish such form of government as would best promote the general happiness and most effectually secure peace and good order in the colony during the continuance of the present dispute with great britain without this last clause which still maintained the appearance of preserving the ancient connection with the parent state the recommendation would not have been made about the same time congress also resolved that it would be extremely dangerous to the liberties and welfare of america for any colony separately to petition the king or either house of parliament having taken into consideration a proclamation declaring certain persons in the colonies to have forgotten their allegiance and to be in a state of open rebellion and threatening with punishment those who should be found carrying on correspondence with them congress declared in the name of the people of these united colonies and by the authority according to the purest maxims of representation derived from them that whatever punishment shall be inflicted upon any persons in the power of their enemies for favouring aiding 
or abetting the cause of american liberty shall be retaliated in the same kind and in the same degree upon those in their power who have favored aided or abetted or shall favor aid or abet the system of ministerial oppression the british army the command of which on the recall of general gage had devolved upon general howe still remained inactive in boston and was still closely blocked up on the land side the history of this winter campaign is a history of successive struggles on the part of the american general with the difficulties imposed by the want of arms ammunition and permanent troops on a person extremely solicitous by some grand and useful achievement to prove himself worthy of the high station to which the voice of his country had called him seventeen seventy six january considering the resolution relative to the attack on boston as indicating the desire of congress on that subject he assured the president then an attempt would be made to put it in execution the first moment he should perceive a probability of success if this should not occur as soon as might be expected or wished he prayed that his situation might be recollected and that congress would do him the justice to believe that circumstances not inclination on his part occasioned the delay it is not said he in the pages of history to furnish a case like ours to maintain a post within musket shot of the enemy for six months together without ammunition and at the same time to disband one army and recruit another within that distance of twenty odd british regiments and more than probably ever was attempted but if we succeed as well in the latter as we have hitherto done in the former i shall think it the most fortunate event of my whole life in the month of january a council of war at which mr john adams a member of congress and mr warren president of the provincial congress of massachusetts assisted resolved that a vigorous attempt ought to be made on the ministerial troops in boston before they can be reinforced in the spring if the means can be provided and a favorable opportunity should offer it was farther advised that thirteen regiments of militia should be asked for from massachusetts and the neighboring colonies in order to put the army in a condition to make the attempt the militia to assemble on the first of february and to continue in service if necessary until the first of march the colonies readily complied with these requisitions but so mild had the season hitherto been that the waters about boston continued open congress would discover in my last said the general on the nineteenth of january my motives for strengthening these lines with militia the weather as the weather turns out exceedingly mild insomuch as to promise nothing favorable from ice and there is no appearance of powder i shall be able to attempt anything decisive time only can determine no man upon earth wishes to destroy the nest in boston more than i do no person would be willing to go greater lengths than i shall to accomplish it if it shall be thought advisable but if we have no powder to bombard with nor ice to pass on we shall be in no better situation than we have been all the year we shall be in a worse and as their works are stronger general lee detached to new york early in january the commander-in-chief received unquestionable intelligence that an armament was equipping in boston to sail under general clinton on a sacred expedition many considerations induced him to believe that new york was its destination he thought the possession of the hudson of great importance to the british and that the numerous adherents to the royal cause in new york furnished an additional reason for transferring the seat of war to that colony whilst deliberating on this subject he received a letter from general lee requesting to be detached to connecticut for the purpose of assembling a body of volunteers who should march into new york and be employed both for the security of that place and the expulsion or suppression of a band of tories collecting on long island though inclined to the adoption of this measure delicacy towards those who exercised the powers 
of civil government in the colony suspended his decision on it mr john adams who possessed great and well-merited influence was then at watertown attending the provincial convention and with him the general held some communications respecting his powers that gentleman being decidedly of opinion that they extended to the case general lee was detached with instructions to raise a body of volunteers in connecticut to reinforce the battalions of new jersey and new york which were placed under his command his orders were to proceed to new york to examine the fortifications of the city and up the river to put them in the best possible state of defence to disarm all persons whose conduct rendered them justly suspected of designs unfriendly to the government especially those on long island and to collect the arms and ammunition in their possession for the use of the army no difficulty was found in raising the volunteers required from connecticut the people of that province were zealous and enterprising and governor trumbull having sanctioned the measure troops were immediately embodied and lee commenced his march for new york at the head of twelve hundred men the inhabitants of that place were much alarmed at his approach captain parker of the asia man-of-war had threatened that he would destroy the town in the event of its being entered by any considerable body of provincials and it was believed that these threats would be executed a committee of safety which had been appointed to exercise the powers of government during the recess of the provincial congress addressed a letter to general lee expressing astonishment at the report that he was about to enter the town without previously intimating his design and pressing him earnestly not to pass the confines of connecticut until they could have further explanations with him holding in utter contempt the threats of captain parker lee continued his march and in a letter to congress represented in such strong terms the impolicy of leaving the military arrangements for new york under the control of the local government that congress appointed three of their own body to consult with him and the council of safety respecting the defence of the place and instructed him to obey the directions of that committee lee soon acquired that ascendancy which is the prerogative of a superior mind over those who were sent for his government and they directed him to execute whatever he suggested a plan recommended by him for fortifying the city and preserving its connection with long island was adopted and prosecuted with vigor general clinton arrived almost at the same instant with general lee but without troops he said openly that none were coming that no hostilities were contemplated against new york and that he was himself merely on a visit to his friend tryon if it be really so added general lee in his letter containing this communication it is the most whimsical piece of civility i ever heard of general clinton did not affect to conceal that his real object was to proceed to north carolina where he expected that five regiments from europe would join the small force he should carry with him about the middle of february the cold was intense and the ice became sufficiently firm to bear the troops general washington was now disposed to execute the bold plan he had formed of attacking general howe in boston but a council of war being almost unanimous against the measure it was abandoned the want of ammunition for the artillery was a principal inducement to this opinion the attempt probably would not have succeeded and must certainly have been attended with considerable loss but the advice of the council seems to have been adopted with regret in communicating their opinion to congress the general observed perhaps the irksomeness of my situation may have given different ideas to me from those which influenced the gentlemen i consulted and might have inclined me to put more to the hazard than was consistent with prudence if it had this effect i am not sensible of it as i endeavoured to give the subject all the consideration of matter of such importance required true it is and i cannot help acknowledging that i have many disagreeable sensations on account of my situation for to have the eyes of the whole continent fixed on me with anxious expectation of hearing some great event 
and to be restrained in every military operation for want of the necessary means to carry it on is not very pleasing especially as the means used to conceal my weakness from the enemy conceal it also from our friends and add to their wonder late in february various appearances among the british troops indicated an intention to evacuate boston but as these appearances might be deceptive and he had now received a small supply of powder general washington determined to prosecute vigorously a plan he had formed to force general howe either to come to an action or to abandon the town since the allowance of a bounty recruiting had been more successful and the regular force had been augmented to rather more than fourteen thousand men in addition to these troops the commander-in-chief had called to his aid about six thousand of the militia of massachusetts thus reinforced he determined to take possession of the heights of dorchester and to fortify them as the possession of this post would enable him to annoy the ships in the harbor and the soldiers in the town he was persuaded that a general action would ensue but if this hope should be disappointed his purpose was to make the works on the heights of dorchester only preparatory to seizing and fortifying nook's hill and the points opposite the south end of boston which commanded the harbor a great part of the town and the beach from which an embarkation must take place in the event of a retreat march possession taken of the heights of dorchester to facilitate the execution of this plan a heavy bombardment and cannonade were commenced on the town and on the british lines which were repeated the two succeeding nights on the last of them immediately after the firing had begun a strong detachment under the command of general thomas took possession of the heights without opposition such was their activity and industry through the night that although the ground was almost impenetrable the works were sufficiently advanced by the morning nearly to cover them when daylight disclosed their operations to the british a considerable degree of embarrassment appeared and an ineffectual fire was commenced on a party in possession of the heights who in turn opened a battery on the besieged and continued with unremitting labor to strengthen their position march five it was necessary to dislodge the americans from the heights or to evacuate the town and general howe as had been foreseen determined to embrace the former part of the alternative three thousand chosen men to be commanded by lord percy were ordered on this service these troops were embarked and fell down to the castle in order to proceed up the river to the intended scene of action but were scattered by a furious storm which disabled them from immediately prosecuting the enterprise before they could again be in readiness for the attack the works were made so strong that the attempt to storm them was thought unadvisable and the evacuation of the town became inevitable in the expectation that the flower of the british troops would be employed against the heights of dorchester general washington had concerted a plan for availing himself of that occasion to attack boston itself the storm which defeated the proposed attack on the heights defeated this enterprise also boston evacuated march seventeen the determination to evacuate boston was soon communicated a paper signed by some of the selectmen of the town and brought out with a flag stated the fact this paper was accompanied by propositions said to be made on the part of general howe but not signed by him relative to the security of the town and the peaceable embarkation of his army as these propositions were not addressed to the commander-in-chief and were not authenticated by the signature of general howe nor by any act obligatory on him general washington thought it improper directly to notice them and ordered the officer to whom they were delivered to return an answer stating the reasons why they were not treated with more attention the determination however to continue his advances and to secure nooks hill was changed and considerable detachments were moved towards new york before the actual evacuation of boston this event took place on the seventeenth of march and in a few days the whole fleet sailed out of 
nantasket road directing its course eastward the recovery of this important town gave great joy to the united colonies congress passed a vote of thanks to the general and his army for their wise and spirited conduct in the siege and acquisition of boston and directed a medal of gold to be struck in commemoration of the event as soon as the british fleet had put to sea the american army proceeded by divisions to new york where it arrived on the fourteenth of april during the siege of boston an altercation concerning prisoners took place between the commanders of the respective armies which was viewed with great interest throughout america the character of the war a war between a sovereign and those who professed to be his subjects led to a course of conduct on the part of the british general which the actual state of things did not justify general gage as governor of massachusetts had received all the irritations of which his mind was susceptible irritations which seemed to have had no inconsiderable influence over his conduct as commander-in-chief he regarded the americans nearly as rebels and treated them as if the great national resistance they were making on principle was to be viewed as the act of a few daring and turbulent individuals rising against laws of unquestionable obligation who would soon be quelled and punished for their disobedience of legitimate authority in this spirit he threw some distinguished gentlemen of boston and the american officers and soldiers who fell into his hands into the common jails of felons and treated them without respect to military rank or condition not as prisoners of war but as state criminals correspondence respecting prisoners general washington remonstrated very seriously against this unjustifiable measure considering political opinion entirely out of the question and conceiving the obligations of humanity and the claims of rank to be universally binding except in the case of retaliation expressed the hope he had entertained that they would have induced on the part of the british general a conduct more conformable to the rights they gave while he claimed the benefits of these rights he declared his determination to be regulated entirely in his conduct towards the prisoners who should fall into his hands by the treatment which those in the power of the british general should receive to this letter a haughty and intemperate answer was returned retorting the complaints concerning the treatment of prisoners and affecting to consider it as an instance of clemency that the court was not applied to those whose imprisonment was complained of to this answer general washington gave a manly and dignified reply which was he said to close their correspondence perhaps for ever and which concluded with saying if your officers our prisoners receive from me a treatment different from what i wish to show them they and you will remember the occasion of it the result of this correspondence was communicated to the council of massachusetts who were requested to order the british officers then on parole to be confined in close jail and the soldiers to be sent to such place of security as a general court should direct on the recall of general gage the command devolved on general howe whose conduct was less exceptionable and this rigorous treatment of prisoners was relaxed not long after this correspondence with general gage while montgomery was employed in the siege of st john's colonel ethan allen was captured in a bold and rash attempt on montreal under the pretext of his having acted without authority he was put in irons and sent to england as a traitor while he was yet in canada congress requested the commander-in-chief to inquire into the fact he addressed a letter to sir william howe requiring explanations on it and assuring him that general prescott who had been taken in canada and was understood to have contributed to the severities inflicted on colonel allen should receive exactly the fate of that officer general howe not holding any authority in canada or not choosing to enter fully into this subject general schuyler was directed to make particular inquiries into the conduct of prescott and congress on being informed of the inefficacy of the application to general howe ordered that officer into close jail End of chapter 2